Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Foundation by Story Archives. I am your host, Mario Busto, alongside Zachary Newton. You're the host. Welcome back. We are back with Season 1, Episode 9, titled The First Crisis. And today is July 10th, 2023. We're yeah. recording this on the week that Foundation Season 2 premieres. I am so hyped. It, it's beyond hyped at this point. Yeah, so am I. I accidentally caught a little bit of the uh, <laughs> Foundation Season 2 trailer. Oh, I've been okay. intentionally trying to not watch it, but okay. I was starting an episode of, what was it, The Crowded Room, I think I started episode 4 on. And uh, it started playing. I'm like, that sounds familiar. And I looked, and I'm like, oh, crap, it's uh, it's Foundation. I skipped past it. I'm trying to save it for myself. You know, we have a crowded week coming up. We have... Mm-hmm. I mean, we have, that was like a, a sigh thinking about what we're doing. Not like a, I don't like, you know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. just planning out what we got going on. Cause you reminded me today, we don't have one episode coming up with foundation. We have two premiering. So the way Apple typically does things is we will get episodes one and two mm-hmm. premiering on Friday to which we will do one at a time. We'll do an instant reaction and then a deep dive for episode one, then an instant reaction and a deep dive for episode two. We yeah. won't jumble them together because I'm sure they'll be heavy. And then we are going to do right now episode nine and 10 to wrap up our season one coverage before we drop a season two trailer reaction for all of y'all out there and maybe diving into some of those featurettes that they've been doing too on the characters for season two. All right. I'm looking forward to yeah. it, man. <laughs> it's a lot, May- but this is fun, man. This is why we do it. I don't know if we'll have time to do Black Mirror this week, but if we are doing Black Mirror this week, y'all, we will be doing episode three, uh, instant reaction to that, which I'm itching to watch because it's featuring Aaron Paul. And if you love Breaking Bad out there and don't Mm -hmm. know the actor's name, that is Jesse Pinkman, which I'm sure he's like, damn it, just leave me at Aaron Paul. Stop. Stop doing it. (laughs) But, you know. He will forever be Jesse Pinkman. I think he loves it. I think they appreciate that so much. They always will have such respect for that role, but. Speaking of great shows, Zach, I've fallen in love with another one over the weekend. It's become an instant favorite, an instant classic, and I don't know what I'm going to do, but I feel like something needs to be done about this show. You want to give us the name of that show? Yeah. It's called The Bear on Hulu, and it's been number one on top of my list for like the last year to get around to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm glad it took me this long to get around to watch it because it's immediately in my maybe my top five personal favorites right off the bat. Like I saw the pilot and I was like, all right, it's in. Wow. It's in, but it's fantastic. Uh, it combines my love of all things. Uh, I mean, I grew up as an Anthony Bourdain buff watching no reservations on travel channel, uh, week to week and, uh, read his book, kitchen confidential. This show combines the energy of everything that I love about the food industry in my time, both having worked there and, and, and enjoying Bourdain's work and, all sorts of food travel shows like Chef's Table and Somebody Feed Phil and all sorts of other food shows throughout the years. Mm-hmm. This captures more of Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential, which is the book he wrote that made him, you know, a worldwide phenomenon pretty much as a, as a writer um, who pretty much he, he's the reason why the chef has become a sort of rock star figure in today's world. Because yeah. before that, it was just an underappreciation of the blue collar job that it is to be a chef. But um anyways this show is fantastic i've zoomed through season one in a day pretty much and uh, i'm on season two already and the only reason i probably won't finish season two this week is because we're covering the foundation so <laughs> uh yeah 
but no spoilers for me, please, on the bear. I was kind of spoiled already, but I, I won't. I won't share and spoil everyone else. You know, I haven't even heard of that show until you mentioned it to me over the weekend. And then right after you mentioned it, I just see everywhere I'm looking. It's like, yeah, top shows and the bears like number one or two. I'm like, okay, all right. I might add it to my list. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. Let's get into the episode recap today. I know I've already gone longer than I wanted to in the intro. Can never go too long on an intro, man. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um... How about these Gale narrations, man? I mean, episode opens up with this long narration about how history is not truth and it's really who writes history that determines what truth is and a lie can be truth and a truth can be a lie. Mm -hmm. And it really just brings into mind what Harry said in the last episode of his reasoning for hiding the foundation, the second foundation from the first foundation Mm -hmm. and from everyone else is because he is shaping the narrative that needs to be done. And uh, in doing so, he is shaping history and deciding what is truth in a way. Now, I wanted to make a comment about Gail. I think Gail only does these narrations when she's unconscious. It seems that way, right? Like, I mean, I've noticed uh, Brother Day uh, come in a little bit more often, but I, I, we get Gail most of the time and she's absent most of the time too. So she is. I, yeah. I just don't like it. I hope they don't do this in season two. I just, it takes me out of, it makes her feel like this omnipotent being, but. Who knows? Maybe she is because apparently Harry's just walking out of this vault yeah. at the end of this thing. I, I'd love to know how, right? Like, is that, is he a robot, like, reincarnated somehow? Is it, is is it, it the, just a hologram? I mean, I can get, like, a hologram version? on the ship, but on another planet. Is it just, the information version of him that pops up on um, the ship that Gale ends up on? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, on the ship, he's he's a hologram, right? I mean, like, she can swing through him. Obviously, she breaks the computer by doing so. But this doesn't seem like a place where you have just, like, technology everywhere and you can just project yourself, present yourself. Wait a like, minute. I feel like Wait you a have minute, to be Zach. like a robot. Wait a minute. What? We didn't see where his casket flew off to. Maybe that's it came true. here. That maybe, is true. Maybe this is him. Maybe he had nanobots that healed him. It's weird. Didn't they mention towards the end of the episode that it was like a door, right? Like, so maybe he, maybe he's coming from somewhere else. Maybe he cloned himself, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? He could have cloned himself. And maybe they, you know, extracted the Lethe uh, syndrome that he had from, from himself. And this is just a duplicate that's had the uplink. Yeah. Just, I mean, think about it. All of, all of the clones that we have, they have duplicates of themselves as we see Brother Don twice. Harry's like really just towing that line between like maybe he's the damn genetic dynasty himself. I mean, it's just like, you know, what is it? The kettle calls the pot. What is it? Um, you know, this accurate. Yeah, I know, I know. The kettle calling the pot black. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. It's like that. You know, Harry, what are you doing here? You're creating your own <laughs> religion. You've become like this godlike figure to these people. And we all know who you really are. You're just like this ego maniacal person who's, <laughs> who's just, just trying to bring down a good, wholesome, humble genetic dynasty you know what i mean zach mario does not like harry right now he was growing on me in the last one come on yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh we kind of glossed over this uh flashback that occurs with salvor and her father as a young salvor talks about asking the important questions where do we come from before the empire and they mm-hmm. talk about you know some people think we all originated from this planet called earth you know uh, <laughs> which makes me think like the foundation is just like us you know, thousands yeah. of years from now, but um, the kind of general theme of the 
I guess like the story or the history that Salvor's dad gives here is that violence never benefits anybody. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty much like the Starbridge came down and that didn't help anybody. It killed a bunch of, of millions of people who had nothing to do mm-hmm. with, the emp- with the emperor's um, oppression. Then the emperor goes and destroys two planets pretty much, right? Yeah. And they had nothing to do with that. You know, it's it has a lot of parallels to what we see in the real world and, uh, you know, where you have uh, something terrible happen mm-hmm. in a country and then a whole country and their civilians pay for it that had nothing to do with the act itself, right? And so, yeah. it, you can kind of see that parallels itself and psychohistory comes into play with, you know, past history is the best determination of future uh, future performance or, you yeah. know, that, that whole thing and- that's kind of what psychohistory is. It's like if we can see the past, we can predict the future, and um, that is the the interesting part about all of this, right? And it's mm-hmm. I think we talked about this at the start of this of this whole run with Foundation that this show is based on, in a way, the downfall of Rome. Mm-hmm. Is it not? Is is that we spoke that about that in the first a episode? little a little bit? Yeah, it was early on in the season, and so it being based on that, you can kind of see that same theme of like if we. Look at the past and how they fell. We can mm-hmm. predict how future empires will fall, right? Yeah. So, all right. You want to cover this Invicta scene with Salvor waking up because the ship just jumped in the last episode and there's a lot to catch up on here with Lewis and Rowan and Farah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Salvor clearly has something from Gale in her, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Just like the null field doesn't affect her. She's completely awake during this entire jump where Farah blacks out. Uh, we find out that that Louis Louis Pryrene, sorry, uh, is now dead. This machine. It almost looked like the tentacles on that machine went through his face. Did you catch that? I didn't catch that, but because I was so fixated upon how much it must have hurt to have jammed that thing in the back of your neck. Yeah, I feel like you, you had to have, like cut the back of your neck open and just like let the little octopus thing find its way in. It's a little freaky. Uh, not a, not a fan of it, but yeah, I, yeah, he was able to successfully, by wishing, uh, get the ship to yeah, jump yeah. back to Terminus. That's how I took it, is that when you plug that thing into the back of your cranium, mm-hmm. uh, you just wish where you want to go, like um, like Dorothy, and if you may end up in yeah. Kansas, aka Terminus. There you go. <laughs> well, here we are, but she's stuck and she has no idea how to get off or how to take control of this ship so that it doesn't jump again. So her only way out is the beggar, which she sees way off in the distance. Which also, um, I was relieved to hear that the beggar was there because it seems that in this quantum field, like, you know, as the thing's spinning to jump, right? As the Invictus is spinning, mm-hmm. it caught up the Thespin um, Lancers. fighter ships, the Lancers yeah. and the beggar itself, which brought a good old Hugo in floating as a piece of debris <laughs> and... Uh, I want to give a shout out to a review site that when I'm in a bind needing like some little notes to jot that down is a good one. Mm-hmm. The reviewgeek.com. Hmm. Um, whoever the person is who did uh, the one for this episode, they point out the fact that the the speech that Salvor's father gives in the beginning in a way points out to the theme of Salvor in this episode where you know that line where his da- where the dad goes and says, open your fist, Salvor. Yeah. Unclench your fist or whatever he says. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the closed fist is like a symbol of violence. You know, it's to punch somebody in the face. You know, it's like you're not receiving it. um, You're not willing for compromise. You know, you're not looking to get along with anybody. 
And in a way, like the opening theme when he's talking about like the downfall of the empire or how this whole conflict started, it goes to Salvor because she resorts to violence in a lot of things. And that was kind of the point or the observation that the reviewer was was saying. Yeah. And uh, you see that evolve in this episode up to the point where she, instead of violence, says, why don't we work together, Thespians and Acreans and uh, the term termites? What are we going to call the terminus people? <laughs> he called them termini. I bet you the writer's room were like, what are they, termites? And, no, how about termini? Uh, Harry says termini, sure enough, when he's coming right. down that hill. Fair enough. I was going to say, I mean, I don't mind. Terminites, I mean, termites sounds interesting, but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, termites, the termites <laughs> of terminus. Uh, they never die, no matter Amazing. what. Uh, like Farah, uh, the unkillable, yeah. I call her in this Apparently. episode. Apparently. Um, a little a little a little too invincible for me at the end there. Yeah, the anyways about the whole closed fist thing. Uh I I just found it an interesting note cuz you can kind of tie that that thread throughout the episode of Yeah. of her choice and her growth as someone who was treated as an outlier growing up but now has come into a place where she has become this the savior of her people in a way. Yeah, one might say she's becoming to act logical while Emperor Day back in the day acted emotionally. And that's another like I think it's a big theme that we see throughout this episode. It's logic versus emotion, logic versus empathy between yeah. both Dawn and uh, Dusk. Yes. As well totally. as Salvor. And then even tying that back into, I mean, just honestly, like everything. I think it's through the entire episode. Did you notice um, when Salvor's having her out of body experience when they're jumping? That she sees herself in Lewis walking. She sees like almost alternate timelines. Yeah, it looked like she was like it, she was seeing a replay of everything. Yeah. Yes. Uh, disconnected, right? Because those yes. two events weren't happening at the same time. Um, it reminded me of Interstellar when they talk about folding space and time, and they mm -hmm. fold the piece of paper. I think I think it's Interstellar where they fold the piece of paper. Yeah. And they poke the pencil through. Well, that was also in Stranger Things, but yes, they did that in Stranger Things as well. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's the way I took it. And I think that's the reason why humans, uh, it jumbles their brain, right? Like that's mm -hmm. the reason that uh, most of the humans in the show, aside from Gale and Salvor, have to be asleep when this happens because the folding of space and time would kind of, I think, jumble your perception of time itself, right? Yeah. I feel like it would make you go like completely insane. I mean, yeah, totally. I, I, don't, I, can't, I can't imagine. Like there's no way you can relate to this as far as I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're like literally outside of time yeah. and space to, to your point, yeah. right? Like there's, it's just nothingness I would imagine you, you, when you're jumping. So I don't know how you would even perceive that. You see, I, you know, I think that's why everyone passes out because they can't <laughs> perceive it. That's yeah. literally. It's too much for the brain. Yeah. I think my favorite scene in this episode occurs, uh, in Trantor where, we're seeing Don, who's game planning his escape with Azura, who's a trifling, trifling little, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I gotta say, uh, they're planning his escape from the palace, and um, you know they're just planning their whole little paradise life outside of this so much. So, and I, I wrote a little side note. I said, "How whipped does Don have to be to have your significant other name you?" He's like, "You can name me when I leave the palace." Like, what are you, a puppy? Like, <laughs> get out of here, bro. He kind of seems like it. He's very. Uh sheepish with a lot of things yeah he's never left the palace he lives in a little palatial bubble it's a yeah it's a bubble but that wasn't my favorite scene my favorite scene was dusk doing this elaborate monologue about the subtleties of the moving tapestry of their visual history because <laughs> dusk is empowered with uh the responsibility of telling this history 
and he yeah. says he makes comments like the way your your most important moments in your life are sometimes the most subtlest like they they just slip by you don't notice them mm-hmm. uh, and he references the most important in his life was the retribution of hellfire he rained down on Anacreon and Thespin yeah. he talks about just the subtleties of the color he keeps mentioning the color the color the color to the point where he talks about a moment that stood out with Brother Don here, which was their gilly raptor hunt. Yep. And it's in this moment we know that the jig is up. Dusk knows all about Don's color blindness because he's hidden the missing gillies that <laughs> Brother Don hid in a bush. And he has so particularly colored them in red and actually specifically just red. I, there should have been some green in there too because I know we can't. He, he cannot see green either. <laughs> Admire the subtleties, man. Mm-hmm. Enjoy them. Mm-hmm. I got to say, uh, just a fantastic performance from Brother Dusk in this episode. Just fantastic. Oh, yeah. huh? He's great. He knows, man. You know, you know he knows. It's just, I wouldn't want him looking out after me. I'll put it that way. You wouldn't? He seems like a good uh, older brother. <laughs> brother Dusk? I don't know about that, man. Any Anytime you screw up, he's always there to watch. Just uh, yeah. poke fun at you. Yeah, well... Once Don realizes that Dusk is on to him, he rushes to try to escape the palace, which is an elaborate plan from Dusk, who wants this reaction. He wants to get this reaction out of Don because his game plan is to trace whatever organization has planted the seed for this in the first place, which we only got a glimpse and a hint of who this organization is. Mm-hmm. But as far as we know, it extends beyond Azura and beyond the um, fake clone. I mean, I'm losing track of all the clones here, but the, let's just call him like... Uh, the the third clone. The, the clone from the Scar. Yeah, the Scar clone. Let's call him the Scar clone. All right, Scar clone it is. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Dusk wants to elicit this sort of, you know... F- flight response from Don here mm-hmm. so that he leaves the palace, goes to Azura's place because he knows everything. I mean, to the point where you think about it, when he shows him the Gilly Raptor painting, yeah. he says, look for the subtleties or admire the subtleties. Mm-hmm. Okay. He knows he has the color adhesives in his pocket. Otherwise, how else would he ever be able to see it? Right? Hmm. So, he knows even that. He knows up to their latest conversation in the garden when they were having sex, right? That's when she gives him the color adhesives. Yeah. It was after that. That's so right. So he, I mean, he was watching Don get it on, <laughs> literally, and said he knew about the color adhesives. So he's got this down to a T of going to Trantor and the Scar and all that. Yeah. It makes me wonder how long Dusk has actually known about all of this and been keeping tabs on Don. I, I mean, I imagine it would have been for longer than we're led to believe it was. Yeah. Meanwhile, back on the Invictus, uh, we get another scene of Salvor doing a miraculous space jump across uh, (laughs) across space. She has (laughs) nailed these space jumps. She almost, they could have rolled credits almost in this scene because she almost drifts off into space like Hugo. uh, And I don't think she was coming back from this one. No, there's no other asteroids past that ship at this point. But dang, that that is a solid jump. Came in a little yeah. too hot, but a solid jump. Yeah, well, she gets to the beggar eventually and she scans the planet, but there's no sign of life on the planet. Uh, she does uh, catch up with Hugo, who's floating towards her like an 
like an enemy and she's about to open fire on him once again going through with that theme of choosing emotion, violence first not right logic, yeah. emotion sure. not logic perfect and um she's come to the conclusion that the null field has expanded so much with the vault that it's jamming all of the scanners just the reason why there's no sign of life on the planet my thought was because honestly and i was talking to a listener out there a little bit earlier mm-hmm. um this i don't remember anything like i literally did not remember the subtlest of details in this episode <laughs> aside from the major plot points here yeah and so part of me when they jumped towards terminus i was thinking to myself we have to reconcile the 138 year time gap at some point with gail yeah without going too far into detail here, but, and I was trying to remember, how do we get there? And I was thinking, did she travel into the future with this jump at first, mm-hmm. going to the Terminus? But I was completely wrong. Yeah. Now, again, I'm, I'm with you. We've mentioned it a couple of times. It's very difficult to remember this. I, I, like, I remember certain very vague things. Like, I remember Brother Don eventually trying to, you know, run away and, and you know, going into this whole scene, but... I'll tell you what, man, I totally forgot about the fact that there was a, another clone of himself, the Scar clone. When I was watching this uh, earlier today, actually, I was just like mind blown. I'm like, I, I, feel, I feel like I was just discovering it for the first time. See, that I remembered, that I remembered. What'd I didn't you think recall of, it. What do you think about Don trading his aura for this homeless man's Horrible jacket? trade. Horrible trade. He should have just I, like got naked and ran around. I think I've... <laughs> <laughs> the emperor has no clothes yeah uh, i think i've seen that exact homeless jacket at a kanye west like runaway show <laughs> it kind of looks like it would be this yeah, whole this whole journey thing, down here to this car man it's so cyberpunk it's t- it's probably the same price as one too because he trades that aura that's got to be worth like i don't know how much that aura has got to be priceless i'm assuming i would imagine i mean you're invincible with the thing on Pretty much. And I'm sure that, you know, Empire is not going to want other people to have similar technology to be able to poke at it and try and figure out its inner workings. What a come up for that homeless guy. Yeah. Think about yeah. it. I mean, he could hold up any joint he wants with that thing. That's what I'm saying. You, they better hope he's good and not like a, not like a crackhead. <laughs> like, you know, he goes crazy in the streets of Trantor. Like the Empire has created a monster with an invincible aura bracelet down there. They'll yeah. have to subdue him at some point makes me wonder if they could just turn it off remotely you imagine like three years from now they skip forward in the scar and that homeless guy's running everything because he has this aura bracelet like <laughs> that would he be becomes, kind of funny right all powerful love it yeah uh Salvor's plan with terminus is that she needs to pretty much you know deal with the vault and she mm-hmm. leaves hugo with one command here which is to salvage the Invictus, which I believe the Thespans and Hugo successfully do because they eventually go to Terminus later in the episode. But the mission for them is to disable the jump tech, the jump drive technology. Yeah, I think, I think they definitely, they had to have succeeded. Otherwise, I don't know why they would have left the ship. Yeah, I, I would have to agree, which doesn't that feel a little too convenient that they were able to figure that out like in 30 minutes? Yeah, I mean... Dude, how many people died trying to, like, on this ship, who worked on this ship full-time, who couldn't disable that technology? Well, remember, it looked like there was, there was like, a war that happened in there, right? Like, I don't yeah, think they were trying... Time, I don't over, think they were trying to disable it. They could not get into the the bridge. But where, I thought that that, that... I thought that that war occurred later, like, when they started running out of food and stuff, not at the beginning. I don't think so. I, I 
I think the war occurred. They, they probably started running out of food, yes. And then I'm sh- like, I have a feeling that's probably what spurred on this little war inside of the ship. But once the bridge was locked and that gun was up there, nobody was getting in there. Did you notice how Hugo just didn't give a damn that Louis Pyrene died? <laughs> she, goes, he, she says, Lewis died. He goes, so what about Terminus? Like, who's down there right now? And I'm like, it's just like, he didn't care at all, which I can really, you know, I can relate to that. Like, if it's your girl and you're like, that guy treated my girlfriend like trash her whole yeah. life. And you're probably just like, good riddance. It is what it is. Right? At least he, uh, at least he helped in some way. He, he's the last little bit of life he had for some good there. At the end, Lewis Pyrene director of the foundation <laughs> all right let's get the transfer let's get forward here a little bit let's get to uh don's uh real grim realization about azura i like the city like actually like there's don's walking through because he escapes through that little irrigation system and, and comes yeah. up somewhere underneath the sewers mm-hmm. uh which is, is a miracle in and of itself to be honest with you oh gosh yeah um it seems that they he was a little bit early on their escape plan. They had been planning this according to Scar Clone Don mm-hmm. since before Don was born. And as far as I can understand, they're the reason that he is colorblind. Something yes. occurred where they they pretty much messed with the pure DNA of Cleon the First in such a way that now he has suffered with this disability. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think they aimed to be like, yeah, let's make them colorblind. I just think they, they messed with the result. blood, the DNA, and it like, this is the result of that. You're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how, how did you like this whole little, I, I guess, scene where, you know, he's kind of like walking through and seeing Azura as, as he's kind of hearing all of the little stories. Oh, this is the best spice, whatever. It was, it was, I found it a little confusing at first, but it was, it was artful. It's like you don't really get enough time in the city to like to appreciate the scar, right? Yeah. It's so fast. You know, he sees it and is, is immediately pretty much whipped back to the palace, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't really get to see much. And it was I understood the the voiceover because it was the voiceover that was guiding him to her house. Yeah. He was using what he had she had told him in the garden to guide his uh his understanding of how to get to her place. So it didn't bother me so much, uh, but it was a really cool place to look at, and, and I don't know. I was cool with the the pace of it because if you would have dragged out his storyline there anymore, it's like we're just filling, we're just filling time, right? Yeah, I I would love to see more of Trantor though. I think it looks pretty cool. It seems the foundation has enough room for um, all sorts of spinoffs if they wanted to but yeah you know you had um i wanted to bring up a comment here before we continue with the zoros thing you can keep it rolling but uh the whole theme with the who writes history decides what the truth is it reminds me of dune so much and we know dune is very much a commentary or a response to the foundation and the themes of it but Mm. uh part of dune i've read dune actually i actually finished that one guys wow um I read Dune and part of the theme of at least the first Dune, I know Dune heads out there are going to be like, yeah, but you just read the first one. Like, yes, I know, but I'm not really interested in the others. Um, <laughs> I'm interested in Paul Atreides' story and that's about it. Uh, 
part of like the way they talk about these planets is that they shape the history. They know the mythologies. They know all these sorts of things and they play into it. Yeah. Right? So they can kind of like shape it themselves. It's kind of dark in a way uh, that the way that they're able to do it. And it kind of just reminded me of that. Just wanted to say that. Okay. Because Paul, Paul becomes a savior figure for Iraqis. I want to rewatch Dune. I have not read the book. I have okay. played a little bit of the game way back in the day, but um, the game. Yeah, there was a game called Dune. Really? Yeah. There's a new one coming out for Dune on PlayStation. You know, like back in the what, Red Alert, Command and Conquer days. Yeah. Did I play those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a game. My, my, I was super young. Uh, but my dad had it. it. Was it was Dune? I, I'm pretty sure it was based on the whole same like storyline and all of that but it was just it was like a command and conquer red alert type of game yeah um sorry to interrupt your i'd never played it but i i do know those days command and conquer i played command and conquer 3 back in the day but uh don eventually gets to azura's apartment which by the way she's got some nice digs i mean a fantastic apartment for a lowly worker in the in the palace uh He's greeted warmly with some gunfire after a nice little makeout session with Azura and then proceeds to have the worst getaway plan ever. He runs through like a field of bubbles uh, <laughs> instead of just running like towards the darkness. He goes toward the most brightly lit area of this portion of the scar and is bombarded by himself. Uh, you know, that was just for the camera, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah. Just bring in the clone and say, yeah, let me stick it in a little bit. <laughs> it was great. Very, really, I thought when I was watching this that this was uh, his duplicate from um, from oh, the yeah? palace. Yeah, that they had caught up to him. The palace. Yeah, people? like I totally thought Dusk. Was, I mean, he he breaks away from the guard and be like, I was like, yeah, Dusk is on his way, right? Like that's what I remember happening. But that's what I meant. Like when I when I said I was feeling this for the feel, felt like I was watching this for the first time. Like I totally remembered that like completely wrong. I forgot there was even this other duplicate clone. Yeah. Let's get to Terminus and Salvor landing. Uh, when she lands, the Null Field is pr- pretty much entirely knocked every living creature out because apparently the Null Field doesn't affect technology, but it affects all organic life form. And so these weird, weird looking creatures <laughs> of Terminus are all unconscious on the ground. All of the people are unconscious on the ground. And Salvor's left with no choice but to approach the actual vault itself. I would have taken a little bit more time and tied up some anacreans personally. Yeah, I mean, you could have tied them up, you could have killed them, done done something. If everyone's alive, just pick up a gun, you know, <laughs> and just, you know. Yeah. Or it would have taken a long time to drag them all to like one room and lock the room. That's probably what I would have tried to do. It would have um, taken a while. But it would have uh, taken a good amount of time. I wonder what the long-term effects of this null field would be, right? Like, I feel like... Just something that powerful just knocking you completely out unconscious for that long has got to be bad for your brain or something, man. By the way, it takes me back to the previous episode when Salvor's mom or stepmom or whatever mom we want, mother figure we want to call her because we know it's Gale. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's talking to the Anacrian guard and she says, you got to let down the shield because the null field keeps expanding. Was that just her ploy to have the null field come in and knock everybody out? No, I think mean... About, think about it, though. It would be a brilliant plan. She knows it doesn't kill you. So it's like, let me eliminate all the Anacreans right now. If we bring down the shield, it can't get through? No, I think it would have gotten through the shield. I feel like the reason for bringing down the shield was so that they could move farther away from it. 
I think that's what she was aiming for. Uh, interesting. See, I was going with maybe the alternative because she's so close to the vault when we find her. When Salvor finds her, she's literally like next to the vault. Think about it. I mean, so I was wondering mm-hmm. why, uh, you know, how to, first and foremost, how the hell she ended up all the way over there. Yeah. Uh, everyone's in the city. I don't, you don't really see, unless I missed it, I don't really see the people on the way up to the vault. No, just her. She, you're right, though. She is really far up there. I was like, maybe she ran, but I just saw oh, no, how far people. away that was in the distance. There's definitely yeah. a lot of people in the in the field. It just they look like rocks. That's what. The oh, so may, maybe they were like escorting her there, and then it expanded or something. But man, that had to like expand quick because that is a great distance for these people to be this close to the vault. Well, it just from it kind of brought to mind something for me as I was watching this episode. This whole time, they've been talking about the vault as a threat to the planet. Mm-hmm. But I think the vault is very much so protecting the planet, I, I think. Uh, and I think we kind of get confirmation of that, right? When Harry's walking out of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what it's made out of. It looks just like, what, what is that? The prime radiant thing that, yeah, that Braxis, we have? The, the Braxis, Braxis thing. Yeah. It looks like it's made out of the same material as that. And it seems to be... Uh, Pretty impenetrable, as as we see from when uh, Farah tries to fire upon it later on. So, I yeah. don't know if there's like some other sort of mechanism in there to, but it does. It's clearly here as a result of Harry. I mean, we literally saw Harry walk out of this, so it being some sort of protection device could make sense. Well, I don't know how long Harry had to set all this up, to be honest with you, but the cube is definitely the key to activating this vault. In fact, mm-hmm. they had it the whole time. They probably could have used it from the moment they got there. Oh, I think that's why Gail was supposed to be there, because she could do that. Interesting. That's a good point, Zach. Uh, I wanted to bring up the fact that she, the when she opens it, she's having these visions, right? Because she mm-hmm. has the visions of her dad, and she says the unclenched fist thing, and that was like her theme for the whole episode. Like I keep on saying it was the, you know, yeah. think past the violence, right? Which b- mm-hmm. reminds me of this book I read. Um, man, what is it called? I have it on the shelf somewhere. It's uh, by Bob Goff. I'm blanking on the name, but he has a, this, whenever he was going to have like a very um, tense conversation with somebody where he was angry, if he was angry at somebody. He mm-hmm. would do this thing where he'd open his, he would notice his hands were in a fist whenever mm-hmm. he was like angry. And he did this thing where he would open his hands and face his palms upward when talking to somebody. And he was like, it's very difficult to be mad and yell at somebody when your hands are like open in a, like in a giving, like a receiving yeah. posture, you know? Um, you, you told me about that once in the past. I, I, I've tried it once. It is true though. It, I mean, it, it just messes with your brain because you got to focus on doing that. It's just not, it's not natural. Yeah. Yeah. You still managed to yell at me somehow. It was weird the way that worked. I know. I, I'm yeah. sorry. Salvor <laughs> okay. um, so gets visions of her in Gail's clothes and seeing the visions of Gail opening up this cube or activating it somehow. Mm-hmm. Salvor looks pretty funny in Gail's clothes, specifically the yellow robe. Yeah. And this, uh, that, that shot took me off guard. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It was a little jarring. But she is able to activate the cube and it does in have some sort of effect on the vault, which immediately makes everyone wake up. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> it had an effect <laughs> in your home alarm too. It did. It just turned my home on. She opened up the cube and my, my house just, uh, just well, 
armed itself. So I guess for good. But yeah, this is this is an interesting key. It looks like it just formed something around the vault and the vault opened up. It, it it's like it sheds its outer layer. I don't know. This vault thing is money, still very bizarre. How much money did Harry have? This thing looks ridiculously expensive. It does. And again, like look at this and look at the look at the uh the cube. It looks exactly the same. Same material. It it's is like same. you can kind of see see through it. I don't know what on earth this is made out of. I find it interesting. Did but, birds fly out of the Were those yes. the birds from Silo? <laughs> the birds was no, they were in the same pattern. Uh, <laughs> um no, but I don't think they flew out of out of the vault. I just think all of the birds on the ground woke up and flew away and that was just like ah it it felt a little weird i'm not gonna lie like a little quick <laughs> for birds yeah. to just wake up and immediately Whoa. take flight yeah. that quickly but yeah. i'm assuming that's what happened yeah well everyone does wake up and uh the null field is pretty much completely disappeared now which makes yes. me continue to think that the null field was a protective uh design in a way. Yeah. I mean, I can only assume that Gale would also have been able to just walk straight up to it. So maybe that's like, I don't know, would have been like a, a beacon for her. I'm not quite sure how to how to interpret that or what the purpose of that field would really be. Well, similar to the Invictus and the way the lights um, indicate mm -hmm. the next jump, mm -hmm. could the expanding null field be a timer of sorts for when the vault is to activate or when it's mm -hmm. ready because Harry had this thing down to a math when he wakes up in the form in the previous episode he says the foundation should be facing its first uh crisis right about now yeah he like he had it down to a T when the first crisis would be so maybe that's when it was supposed to wake up was for the first crisis I think I'm almost 100% right on this take hmm. so so maybe it would be kind of protecting them in a way i guess because it would be expanding at the time that whatever situation arose is was on its way it could be yeah let's talk about pharaoh man pharaoh the unkillable has managed to not only wake up from this jump mm -hmm. she's untied herself she's left the rowan behind by the way yeah she's untied herself she has commandeered a thespianship and has killed two Thespans. Yes. I and mean, seems to be kind of sane at the well, as sane as Farah can really be, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I, it's Farah's and was super annoying. When the arrow went through her neck in this episode, I was like, about time. This is like <laughs> she should have been dead like so many times ago. I agree. Uh Trantor. Don wakes up, he's tied up, he's getting the whole rundown of uh the Bond villain's plan of how We've been working on this since before you were born. You didn't really have a choice in this, Don. You're the reason your eyes are messed up. And we're going to, they're doing a nanobot transfer in order to get this fake Don into the palace. Yeah. And uh, replace him and pretend to be the perfect version of Cleon, which I don't know what the end goal is there. Probably to bring down the empire from the inside. Mm -hmm. But if we know human nature, this guy's going to get a taste of power. And he'll probably just, just chill there and end up being the new genetic dynasty if I, if I had to guess. But yeah, but also if this plan did let's say let's say they didn't get attacked by Brother Dusk and his yeah. henchmen or whatever you want yeah, to yeah. call them. Mm -hmm. Dusk is already on to 
done. Like, yes, yes. It seems kind of risky to, to just swap yourself into a position where all eyes are already on you. And it's not like they, I mean, I feel like they have to know. Like, they have to be aware. I mean, she's there literally every day. He's always talking about how I do this different, I do that different. They notice this, blah, blah, blah. It, again, this is a high risk thing. A lot of a lot of these decisions everybody makes here is extremely high risk. Well, I don't think it helps that Don came a day early, a day earlier than they expected for this plan. Yeah. So they didn't really have all their pieces in place. They needed to immediately get the dampeners, like the nanobot dampeners, the, mm-hmm. so that they couldn't track him. Yeah. Right. But Dusk was so on to the plan that they were done done for before it even began. Yeah. To be honest with you, it was a waste of everybody and. Uh, Long story short, everybody's killed in this room and Azura is left standing, which I would assume they're going to try to torture the hell out of Azura to get to the bottom of who is the organization that planned this from the beginning. And by the way, how did they get access to the Principium and these clones and the actual material? You know how difficult that's got to be? And who, why would you ever give a servant access to that? I think only I would only give Demerzel that access. Yeah, I mean... Uh, who knows if they were actually given access, right? Like they could have just taken it. They could have been there. Dude, I'm assuming that that something. room has to be the most highly protected room in the entire palace. I would imagine, but I don't, I mean, who knows? I'm, you could probably sneak around. It's not like they look like they, it's not like it looks like they have CCTV or something set up, right? Like it, it's very like <laughs> manually patrolled. CCTV. <laughs> <laughs> I I need to see some uh some Tim Robbins like hand on desk slamming for this interrogation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's get back to Terminus uh because the whole plan here is just Don sobbing on this table cuz he knows he's about to die. It's a terrible feeling, right? I mean, the first chick he falls in love with oh. has completely, she's, she has completely not only betrayed him, betrayed him to kill him. Like that is some traumatizing stuff. Very you much know, so. Your first relationship, your first significant other, and now she's not only like betrayed you, <laughs> she has betrayed you to kill you. Like that's, yeah. I don't know how you bounce back from that one to be honest. He'll never but, love again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You think? Uh, Dusk comes in here and he says, look, man, I was foolish when I was your age too. So that can be forgiven. But your mm-hmm. whole uh, birth defect color thing, I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, and Don really, his last hope is appealing to Brother Day. He says, you're not in charge, Brother Day is. So we'll see how Day comes back from this trip after finding out he has no soul and see if he has, <laughs> see if he has any empathy or how he's feeling. Because uh, let's just say... I wouldn't be so optimistic if I was Don here, personally. No, neither would I. I, re- uh, I mean, best of luck to him, man. Yeah. Best of yeah. luck. How did you like that invisible henchman, though? That was a little freaky. Well, we knew they were inv- he was invisible because when they... He's the guy who picks up the ghillie raptors and he turns the cloak on and off, right? Mm-hmm. I do think that's a very underrated... Uh, piece of technology there yeah i'd love that i'd sneak around all the time to do what nothing i just i'd walk through my front door to my couch just completely invisible if you could be invisible would you rob a bank no you wouldn't say this on camera 
<laughs> well, there's that too, because <laughs> if I ever knew. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying. No, I don't know what I would do if I, I could be, be invisible. I definitely wouldn't, personally. I was just seeing if you would. Uh, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Audience members out that. there, uh, uh, feel free to let us know wh- whether you would or not. But uh, me and Zach, we definitely would not. Nope, not happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, back to Terminus. A good plan is unraveling here. I mean, well, besides Farah coming in and completely adding to her incredible feats after waking up from this jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has commandeered the ship, managed to learn how to fly a ship, and takes down two trained Thespian fighter lancers while completely reversing the power dynamic here and the Anacreans taking control of the situation. Meanwhile, Salvor's allowed to talk instead of being shot on sight, which I would assume would happen in any reasonable scenario. I feel like Pharaoh would have just shot her on sight at this point. <laughs> I, uh, I would imagine so. But, you know, a lot of these shows, you got to have the villain explain part of their plan. You got you to hear him out or something. I mean, Pharaoh's shooting anybody. You, just, you would think that she sees Salvor and the moment Salvor says, you're thinking, Poof, I would just think it was just an immediate... Death. I mean, you know, I'm the whole scene of Farah coming in with this lancer and just wiping <laughs> the other one out, and you know, just shooting near these people. I'd yeah. just be like, just stay in the lancer and just shoot everyone. Yeah, shoot, just kill everyone, <laughs> kill Salvor right there. There you go. I don't, I don't know. It was a little, it was a little too easy. Well, I'm glad she's dead though. That yeah, I did same, like. Same. That was my favorite part. So, Salvor does come up with a good plan. Farrah did not need to die because the plan here should have been to use the Invictus as a weapon to threaten or to protect themselves from the Empire. Like, hey, you come near us, we'll kill you. You know? Yeah. Uh, the Invictus is a pretty good ship to just leave stationed outside your planet, you know? Yeah, as a, I mean, as I a permanent. There. I, no, I definitely. As long as not. I had control over it. If you had control over it. Actually, I don't think I'd trust anybody with that, not even you. What are, you, what are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm just saying like any human with the control of a, of a planet destroying machine, <laughs> anything could happen, man. It's true. I might accidentally blow up the earth. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Mario just thinking about what would happen if I had a planet destroyer. <laughs> it's terrifying. It keeps me up at night, man. Why do you think we? Why do you think we started this podcast network? It was just to keep you preoccupied from these planet destroying <laughs> tendencies. I'm just kidding. Man. See you, Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Farah kindly declines the uh, whole sharing the Invictus thing. She's she doesn't want to hear it. Rowan turns on Farah. Perfect timing. Rowan thinking about your daughter. Finally, yeah. And Salver shoots Farah straight through the neck as Farah opens fire on the vault. Uh, probably the least rational thing to do. But then again, she doesn't know what the hell the vault is. And to be quite frankly honest, I don't know what the hell it is either. So yeah, I but probably would have opened fire. Logic, right man. Come on, figure True, it out. Give it a minute. Man. That should should have been the name of the episode: emotion over. Lo- no, I mean logic over emotion, or emotion over logic. Yeah, I mean literally, like that's the entire episode. It's logic versus empathy, or logic versus emotion, and different points between. Uh, Dawn and Dusk, Farah and Salvor. And, you know, I think even early on in the, uh, the episode, we kind of got a little little taste of it. 
It's crazy because, I mean, Salvor's, think about all the stuff Farah's done up to this point to still get an olive branch offered to her from Salvor, who her dad was killed pretty much as a result of Farah's actions. Yeah. Uh, shows Farah's stupidity, really, in this moment of letting her hate for the Empire um, make her so short-sighted. She was literally moments away from hearing an action plan from Harry Seldon himself. <laughs> like, she was just a few seconds away from hearing that, you know? And yeah. uh, maybe Harry delayed walking off that vault just to get rid of her a little bit. He's like, I'm going to hold up a little bit because he's making a grand, him, like... Let me play it out. Let making it a out. grand entrance right now because he's technically... What is he doing right now? I Think don't know, it. man. This guy's like... It's just open. Booting up or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, no idea, but... Anyways, uh, the episode progresses. Farrah gets shot through the neck. We are done with Farrah officially. Huzzah. Thankfully. And Harry comes down and pretty much says, oh, how convenient having all three of you here gathered. Uh, maybe this plan might work after all. So it seems part of Harry's plan of a successful resolution to the first crisis was an alliance between Anacreon, Thespin, uh, and the Terminite, the term, the Termini, the Termini, according Termini. to him. Yeah. By the way, you see that beam coming out of the vault? Could yeah. that be like an uplink or a download link? Like they're downloading the information because Gale says information is immortal in a way in the previous mm -hmm. episode. So maybe this is like downloading Harry's quantum being into this vault and who knows? I don't know what the hell's going on. I Hopefully we find out know. soon. I would imagine like he, it would already have happened and he's just already there. He's just like chilling in some uh, some computer state. <laughs> yeah. Well, but yeah, well, I mean, it, it does look like it could be an upload download sort of thing. The mind blowing moment of the episode is definitely him walking down from that hill and who else is it going to be, you know? So the moment you start seeing that silhouette of a man walking down, the only two people to me I thought it might have been was Raish, Raish or yeah. Harry, you know, but Raish wouldn't have had the same oomph. You know? No, it would have just been like, why are you here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're supposed to not even be on the ship. Exactly, exactly. And that concludes our recap of season one, episode nine of The Foundation, The First Crisis. Good episode. The Sorry, I cut you off there. That's fine, man. I just, I, I'm not hurt at all. It's all right. No, it's, it's a good thing you're not. Yeah. It's a good thing you're not because- There'd be a lot of pain going around. Yeah. It was a good episode. I, I still liked the last episode more, I'm just going to say. Yeah, I would have to agree. In terms of like overall, you know, the uh, last episode was a powerhouse. I you know. know. It's hard to top that, man. You got to walk that spiral. Yeah. The walk in the spiral is the thing. But I think in terms of the mystery and the vault, we finally get an answer to the vault. This one has its moments as well that mm -hmm. are memorable. Uh, let's get into the categories. First category is, who is your favorite character? Can you guess mine in this one? I mean, mine's Brother Dawn. Mine is so, Brother Dusk. Is it? Uh, you did like his line in there. He didn't have that much of an appearance, but the appearance that he did have in this episode was really strong. Impactful. It was good. It was good. Yeah. Scene stealer. Speaking of scenes, how about the best scene? It's it's Dusk showing him the tapestry, showing Don the tapestry and pretty much in every way but saying it, saying, I know 
all about what you've been hiding and I'm on to you, buddy. Yeah. I liked the I liked Harry coming down in the end. That was nice. Um <laughs> but I liked the I liked the whole scene with Dawn on the run. I, I liked it when he escaped from the palace. It gave me hope. I'm like, is he gonna get away? Is there oh, gonna be like some to, version of You wanted him to get away, huh? Yeah, why not? I mean let's let's have some rogue little empire boy running around. It'd be interesting. It would be an interesting storyline, that's for sure. It would it would draw a lot well, I guess it wouldn't draw a lot of attention because they would just spin up another version of him, but whatever. I if liked he, it. If he was more epic, I think it would be a cooler storyline, but he seems like a a wimp we, yeah. a bit yeah but maybe this is what he needs to grow up right like maybe. May, maybe getting away just be i mean obviously he was getting attacked by his fake girlfriend um when mm -hmm. it happened but he he did fall down the stairs and feel pain for what like the first time mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. all right best line of the episode we probably have the same one but i actually i have two I don't think I wrote down the second one, but I'm going to do my best to remember it off the top of my head. I wrote too, but you go for it. The winner is violence is the last refuge of the incompetent hmm. from Salvor's uh, dad at the start of the episode. Okay. And the second was Dusk when he saves Don and he said, and uh, Don saying, I know what you want. You know, you've, you've gotten what you wanted. Yeah. And Dusk goes, never presume <laughs> to understand what it is I want. That is, I thought that was a great line. It is, it is intense. Mine are not as uh, intense as yours are. Okay. But the two that I wrote down was the, the forget logic, try empathy, which was Don's yeah. line to, to Dusk. I, I like that. I, I thought it was interesting. It was, it was good. Again, you know, a pretty uh, large theme in the episode there. The other one that I liked, I wrote it down mostly because I just, I thought it was kind of funny. Like out of, out of the, Many good lines that we have in the show. Very few of them make me chuckle. It was the uh, practicing. What are you talking about? Practicing. What are you talking about? <laughs> when it's Brother Don and Brother Don, right? When he's going to get that transfusion. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a little confusing, but it made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so, those are my two. Those are your two? Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Any, any other categories we're missing here today? That will about do it. Okay. Perfect. All right, well, let's wrap this one up. Uh, we have one more episode of our Foundation Season 1 podcast coverage, and we thank you all for joining along the way. We've seen a lot of you who've listened to our silo series have joined us on the journey for Foundation, and we encourage the rest of you out there who may be listening, if you've made it this far in the episode, to join us for Foundation Season 2. It premieres this Friday, and we are going to be doing an instant reaction on anywhere between releasing on Thursday night, Friday morning, to well I, that's pretty much our only options and the deep yeah. dive coming on sunday we're matching our silo coverage but this week is special because we get two episodes if apple does things the way they always do and that means we'll be dropping the instant reaction friday deep dive sunday and then another instant reaction deep dive next week back to our normal programming schedule next friday and if you're not interested in those shows we will be continuing coverage on hijack which We've got a few more weeks until we do a final season one recap of Hijack. I believe it's a mini series, so that'll be one and done type of season. Yeah, scenario. Like it. Great show. Uh, Black Mirror, we will continue. I'm sorry it's been a little bit disjointed with our coverage of Black Mirror, but we are going to finish season six, so just stay tuned out there. And if you didn't catch our Silo series, I'm envious of you because that means you haven't watched Silo. 
So I recommend <laughs> that you go watch it and then enjoy our podcast as a companion podcast to it. And uh, that's all I got to say. Zach, you do your polished outros for Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Foundation by Story Archives. You can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We are on YouTube now at Soapbox Podcast Network, so be sure to take a look at us there. We've got different playlists for the different shows that we've been covering. You can visit a website at soapbox.house, email us at contact at soapbox.house, and there is also a link in the description below to sign up for our quarterly newsletter. And we are right now, I think... uh slightly under 40 i just, think so slightly under just all right all just right. shy we just need a couple to push us over that edge and then a few more yeah. to sign up to get to the 100 we need about 60 more to that 100 and the 100 will always be the 100 as i've always said you know what i mean yeah so all right let's wrap this up thank you all for tuning in have a great week we'll see you on the finale of season one and we look forward to, for you to join us for season two of the foundation like, subscribe, rate the show, five stars, and peace out. Peace. peace.